0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.
1: Well, if you know anything about rugby, you know that tens need time in the seat. Like, if you don't know anything about rugby, don't talk to me.
2: That is Eddie Jones taking on journalists over some pretty mild questions about his 5.8. Taking on the media to ensure focus stays off performance is a trick as old as coaching. The timing of this one, though, might be revealing. As Jones and the Wallabies prepare to take on the All Blacks, they are staring at a fourth straight defeat with just two games and under 40 days left before a Rugby World Cup. So what have we learned so far about the second Jones era and what his Australian side might look like in France? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Ian Payton has covered rugby in Australia for more than two decades. He is going to be all across this massive Blederslow clash as the Wallabies prepare to take on a resurgent all-black side. Peter, let's set the scene. When Eddie Jones was brought on as coach, we were promised a harder edge, a more competitive Wallabies. Three games into Jones 2.0, the second coming of Eddie. With two games left before the World Cup, what have we seen of this team so far?
0: Not much is the truthful answer as far as, you know, the potential of the team. We've seen glimpses. Obviously, the first game in South Africa, they were blown off the park. That's a pretty steep mountain to try and climb first up uh, at altitude against a very good Springbok team. They should have won the, the second game against Argentina at home. That was a misstep and probably the game that everyone predicted they would win and get their, you know, the Eddie Jones era off to a start. And then, obviously, the the scenes at the MCG where, look, they showed a good half hour, maybe 40 minutes in total. You break the game down
1: into four segments. You know, zero to 30 were very good. 30 to 40 were terrible. 40 to 60 were pretty good again without converting that to points. And 60, 80 were terrible.
0: The Eddie Jones era, yeah, we're in a bit of a twilight zone, to be perfectly honest, Pat. It, we don't quite know... What the team is, we don't know whether they have the potential to do well at the World Cup, whether they have the potential to survive at the World Cup, even out of the pool stages. So there's a lot of uncertainty, and each week is literally a story unfolding before us.
2: And the story this week is the team that he's just named today, there's a lot of intrigue there. What stood out to you about the team that he's picked for this second low?
0: This is the most settled of, of all the teams. There haven't been many, to be fair, but he's only made three changes. We
1: decided to stick with the same backline. We've had a lot of change already, and we feel this backline's
0: uh, got the potential to be a really good backline. And one of those changes was Alan Alatoa um, getting injured. So, yes, my impressions, my takeaway from that is that he's sticking with the young halves partnership of Tate McDermott and Carter Gordon. And Tate McDermott's going to pass it back to the blonde flowing locks of starting debutante Carter Gordon to boot the Wallabies downfield. You know, there was a bright opening half hour and they both did very well. McDermott is the new captain of the team. You know, there's a, a lack of alternatives in the starting team. Gordon's the interesting one though. That was his run on debut in Melbourne and he's only a young fellow. That was his third test. Wallaby's ball as Gordon puts a high kick out towards the defensive left corner. Bowden Barrett leaps and catches it. The fullback for the All Blacks. It was nervy. It was understandable that he had a bit of a mixed bag. The kicking game was a bit off. But Eddie Jones is, is throwing his lot in with Carter Gordon, I think. We've still got Quade Cooper sitting there in the wings. Eddie Jones made enough noise to suggest that Quade Cooper was going to be his man at the World Cup. But on available evidence, two straight selections against the All Blacks, it looks like Carter Gordon might be his horse for the World Cup
2: it was fascinating today to see Eddie Jones fiercely protective in the press conference of some pretty straightforward questions of the young five-eighth Carter Gordon. He, as you said, had a mixed performance against the All Blacks. What do you think Jones' impassioned defence tells us?
0: If you've been an Eddie Jones watcher for long enough, you can see he uses press conferences and media appearances as a tactical tool, if you like. He might use it to question a rival or you know make a, a tactical kind of play about the other team put some pressure on in that space or the referee you know, and there's nothing better than winning against
1: New Zealand because you feel the country sinking it's not just rugby sinks the country sinks Yeah, you know, the whole economy goes down so like the Prime Minister's there with his fingers crossed having the All Blacks win because he knows the economy's going to drop as they lose
0: as far as what we've seen so far this year, Eddie Jones has got a couple of levers that he's been pulling. There's the kind of the, the vaudeville part where he makes as much attention as possible for the game, and we saw a lot of that early on in the year. At
1: the same time, then, the Australian kids want to play rugby again because at the moment too many of them want to play AFL. I was going past the school the other day and they are playing AFL in basketball, so we want kids to play rugby because it's the greatest game of all. So we've got a bit of a job here to do.
0: Since they've started playing, he's been very relaxed, very jovial. Even after, after losses, he will, you know, crack jokes and one-liners. You might be mistaken and think you'd walked into a winning coach's press conference.
1: I think selection was right, mate. You're suggesting it wasn't. No, you can if you want to. But I don't mind a bit of a discussion.
0: What we saw today was, again, it's another lever, a pretty predictable one. To that point that I made that I think he might be backing Carter Gordon. Any slight criticism of Carter Gordon as a young number 10, he's jumped instantly to his defence.
1: The reality is a young guy learning his apprenticeship needs to just make the mistakes, learn from it, and, and not listen too much from blokes like you, right? That's, that's my job, to make sure he doesn't listen to blokes like you. You want to put rubbish in his head.
0: That's pretty standard Eddie Jones. He is known to be quite aggressive when he needs to be in returning questions and, you know, he can pull other levers at the same time if he needs, if he wants to divert attention away from a poor performance or something like that. Um, But what that showed to me was actually that, yeah, I think he's got big plans for Carter Gordon and I think that we might be seeing him at the World Cup.
2: You talk about Eddie Jones' bag of tricks and the sort of different levers he can pull. And I'm interested in the timing of this particular sort of defensive mindset because when you contrast it to when he came into the role in January, he argued, look, we've got plenty of time.
1: If you can't improve a team in a week, then you can't catch. So I've got... more than a week. I've got about 13 weeks.
2: And it was reassuring stuff for Wallabies fans, I think. But with two games remaining and you know fewer than 40 days remaining before the World Cup, is there a sense, do you think, when we see what we saw today that Jones is understanding that maybe the task is bigger than we all anticipated? I
0: think so. I think he's made enough public comment even to that effect during the year, I think that, you know, he he'd always wanted to come back and coach the Wallabies. So when the position when he was suddenly made unemployed and the position was it was known to him to be to be available if he wanted it, um, he jumped at it. I'm sure that he did his due diligence, but Super Rugby wasn't the standard that he was looking for. As far as the Wallabies and why he's kind of flicked the switch potentially now in terms of you know going a bit stronger in his defence, it feels like it's a bit of a, a circle of the wagons play. They're a young team.
1: Just got to get a bit more consistency in our game. And part of it is we've got a young team. You know, we've got a really young team. I think this is a the seventh younger th- Youngest team picked in the professional
0: era. As you point out, they haven't had a win. And, and to be perfectly honest, there's every chance they'll go into the World Cup without a win. They've got another game against New Zealand and then and then a last warm-up game against France in Paris. So there's every chance that they'll go into that World Cup without a win. And the noise will only get louder. So there is the potential there for Eddie Jones, you know, in, in a strategic sense to be, you know, circling the wagons a little bit and try to indicate to his team. We don't know what, what is being said behind closed doors, but, you know, no one believes in us but us kind of message um there was some kind of entertaining advertisements put out by rugby australia last week exactly along those lines of eddie jones you know sitting in a barber's shop Wait, so you blokes think you can win the whole thing
1: mate but they'll go in the France for the croissants
0: so I, I i just think it's part of that the wallabies we're never going to go into this World Cup as one of the favourites, but the pressure started to come on a little bit. And again, it's one of those tried and trusted techniques is you, you pull a group together, tell them no one rates them and, and see what if you can get a response from a group out of kind of that unity aspect.
2: Dad said the Wallabies have absolutely no chance.
1: Absolutely no chance. Perfect. Who is this for? The Wallabies. We love proving Dad's wrong.
2: Finally, I'm interested who might lead the Wallabies from an on-field perspective at the World Cup. Tate McDermott, as you touched on, another Wallabies captain, the 86th in Wallabies history, the fourth in four games under Eddie Jones. And there's sort of a spectrum of thought on him being named a skipper at just 24 years of age. On one end of the scale, an exciting regeneration. On the other, maybe it speaks to a bare cupboard from a leadership point of view where do you sit on that sliding scale and who do you think leads them out in France
0: yeah look you'd you'd have to say it's a little bit like you know it's a week to week prospect McDermott captain Queensland and has impressed Jones he's come a long way since being left out of Eddie Jones's first squad in April it gave me the time to work on that stuff time to freshen up and time to get stuck into what I needed to work on so you know my form off the back of that announcement you had an immediate change there's a big question mark there. Obviously, Eddie Jones had James Slipper and Michael Hooper as co-captains um, originally. Hooper, Michael Hooper got injured, and James Slipper is now being used off the bench uh, behind Angus Bell, who was very, very impressive. Um, so you would suggest that it's going to be, you know, if Hooper, if Michael Hooper can't make it back, then it's neither of those two. I would have said Alan Alalatoa was the guy, um, but we've lost him as well. So we can only go with what we're seeing. I, I don't know that you're going to see a change. I'd say that Tate McDermott, if Eddie continues with his selection of Tate McDermott at number nine and Michael Hooper doesn't make it back, that we'll see McDermott come in. It's funny, I don't know that Eddie Jones necessarily has the same, he's not wedded to that same idea of having, you know, one talismanic captain. We've seen him pick a couple, as you say. So I think that there is a leadership group within that team. Some of those senior guys like Samu Karebi and Andrew Kellaway, Dave Parecki up the front there, they're, they're all senior guys. So um, despite Tate being a young fella, he's only 24, you do have a bunch of 30-year-olds in and around the squad that that can offer the, um, the leadership assistance uh, where needed.
2: It doesn't seem exactly uh, rainbows and honey right now for the Wallabies, but fingers crossed they can give a good account of themselves against the All Blacks over the weekend. Peter, thanks for breaking it all down for us.
0: Good on you, Stacky.
2: Headlines. Everyone wants to talk Sam Kerr. So here's what we know from today's Australian training session. The media was only allowed to stay for the first 15 minutes, during which time Kerr milled around with their teammates and shock Actually, appeared to have a ball at her feet at one point. What happened beyond that is top secret, but it's the most encouraging signs we've seen since she injured her calf before the tournament opener. Here's goalkeeper Mackenzie Arnold talking about those reports that suggested there was a whole do it for cur vibe. It's always going to be, you know, better to give her an extra week's recovery. She was available if we needed her. Thankfully, we didn't need her. So going out there and playing for Sam, um, I don't, I don't know that was the narrative behind it, but. Um, it's been good that we were able to get the win and be able to give her another week's recovery and get her more available for the following game. And former Matildas coach Alan Stajic has gone from leading the Philippines women's side at the World Cup to taking a role running the Perth Glory's men's side. It's his second A-League stint after leading the Central Coast Mariners post his controversial Tillys departure. In news that will surprise few Damien Hardwick is firming as the next senior coach of the Gold Coast. There are multiple reports of Suns Chief Executive Mark Evans heading to Cinque Terre on the Italian coast to meet with the out-of-work Coach From the Italian coast to the Gold Coast, the imagery of Evans scrambling from town to town to hunt down harbour because he sips on an Aperol spritz is pretty great. An Australian road race cyclist, Rob Stannard, has been suspended for an anti-doping violation. The rider has denied using a prohibited substance, but will miss the world champs in Glasgow. The 24-year-old has been notified by the International Cycling Union that he has been pinged for violations in 2018 and 2019. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to the Wallabies and Channel 9 for the extra audio used in this episode.
0: Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.